0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: There's something outside. Radio, Shane Corson here, and of course, Monster X Radio is brought to you by Sasquatch Coffee, it Yeti. Um, tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, trail cameras, uh, audio recorders, and a few other topics, whatever comes across the table, and of course, I brought with me tonight my good friend Chris Spencer, who has been on the show a few times. He's one of my favorite people, as I mentioned before, to talk to. Um, on the subject of Sasquatch and the research of, because I believe Chris Spencer is uh, a guy of science and a sound-minded individual who really uh, approaches this uh, subject and it, yeah, I can't even say the words, excuse me, but uh, approaches this with with extreme caution and doesn't jump to conclusions. And so uh, he's a guy that... um, When I have questions on certain things, I do approach, when it comes to audio and his research, uh, he's a guy that has been researching uh, an area for multiple years and really does his due diligence when it comes to um, ruling everything out, everything out before he ever comes to uh, the suspects of, which we call Sasquatch. Uh, And so, uh, Chris Spence, are you with us, man?
0: Yes, I am, and... I'm just a guy that goes in the woods, Shane.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're you're, you're a guy that goes in the woods with a purpose. And and that's something I appreciate because you're not – I'm not going to blow your head up too much here. I want to make sure you can walk in your front door. But, no, I I appreciate uh, your approach to this subject. And and we've had you on the show before. And I've always found our conversations, uh, even previous to the show, just tonight, fascinating. Someone I, I love to talk to. Um, and knock ideas around. And and actually, I learned something from you, Chris. Every time I talk to you, I always learn something, and I'm like, oh, I didn't think about that. And so uh, it's a a pleasure to have you on Law and Radio. I know our our viewers, uh, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback for having you on the show before. So you're somebody that, uh, if you're available, I'm going to have you on the show.
0: (laughs) Well, I appreciate that and just realize every time you learn something from me it's because i learned it from someone else.
1: Oh, and, but that you know how true is that and that's and that likewise you know uh, uh we're all students of this subject um and we're definitely not experts if if somebody claims to know something i usually call bs uh <laughs> yeah. i i find it hard to believe <laughs> to that you can know something as a fact. if you do then um show well, me if show me the something proof was
0: a fact if we knew something was a fact, then Bigfoot would be accepted by known science and not even an issue right now, but no one knows absolute fact about the subject.
1: No, no, exactly. You know, I mean, I I will say, I know Sasquatch to exist. Okay. Um, Can I prove that? No. And so that's just me saying that take it for what it's worth. I can't prove it. I'm not going to claim to prove it, but I'm, I, I, you know, I know Satchworks exists. What it is what it does, I don't know. I'm trying to – this is a journey. And so it's it's a fun journey, and it's fun to include people such as yourself along this journey. And uh, collaborate because, uh, you know, I think we're living in great times when it comes to this research because of the minds involved and the collaboration and the mindset. The mindset is huge in this game for me. Tech is uh, huge too. Now but I'm sorry, what's that?
0: Tech is huge too now. There's but, there's possibilities oh. now that we could not have realized thirty years ago. Um, exactly, it's just a matter exactly. of having the right people doing the right things and having the funding to do those
1: things. So yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. And and that's the thing too though is, you know, thirty years ago, um there uh, the individuals involved in this research were doing phenomenal things with what they had but guess what in this day and age we have much more um before us and it's about utilizing that and and you and looking at what was done before and building upon that and that's exactly exactly what we're doing now Uh, not just us but other researchers and other groups and i do see a lot of headway a lot of positive movement which is exciting and it's fun And so, Chris, you know, I I invite you on the show tonight because I wanted to talk a little bit about technology. I want to talk a little bit about um, some of the, you know, uh, improvements uh, within our own personal research, some of the things that we've uh, been looking at that we're bringing to the table. And I'll I'll dive right in. You know, we were just chatting earlier today, Chris, uh, and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show was because of this, uh, about trail cameras. You know, there's a big stigmata. Uh, about trail cameras and trail camera use, like Sasquatch avoids them, why don't we get better pictures, blah, blah. You know, we've heard it all. We've heard it all. But right. I don't think people realize uh, uh, the technology that has advanced the trail camera use in, in, the indiv- in individual models. Also, you know, as I've stated before on the show, you know, trail cameras are a great tool. They won't prove Sasquatch. But they're a great tool, and it's really for me um, that trail cameras are a great tool. But they, you can place as many trail cambers, trail cameras out there as you want to. But it's really uh, a needle in a haystack. I, you know, I place trail cameras in areas where I know there's deer and bear and everything else, and and uh, have not gotten anything. Is it because of poor placement? No, not necessarily because they're just not coming through there at that time. I don't think they're avoiding the camera. I've caught plenty of bear and everything else looking at my camera. Have they seen the flash? Why not? Yes. But technology has advanced to a spot now where um, you give me extreme consideration into looking at other models. You know, I've been a fan of a lot of different models, but we were talking earlier about uh, a a, a few particular models, but specifically Browning. Um, Let's talk a little bit about that, Chris.
0: Yeah. um, There was one thing I was kind of thinking about is, you know, the tech has advanced considerably and thing is applying that technology, but also using the old school methods and um, tracking uh, historical sightings and where is, you know, looking, looking at the best possible area to be placing the tech. Um, and I, I, you know, I just, it just dawned on me. There's a, there's a lot of people that are just totally into the technology aspect of this subject, but they're not doing their due diligence and research on different areas. And I've had the pleasure of working with some people that have taught me a lot who do spend a lot of time historically researching areas before they place their tech this summer. Um, But back to the Browning, I bought a Browning last year for X1 specifically because we we were looking at plot watcher functions. Um, We were, you know, like you said, everyone says Bigfoot avoids cameras, this and that. Well, let's take an actual plot watcher, which puts out no sensor, no nothing. It's just a camera, and it takes a picture every five seconds from dawn till dusk um so anything that comes in front of it there's no no sensor out there that anything can sense or whatever it's this thing's just a camera taking pictures constantly right and that that was kind of where we were going last year and um my partner at the time uh he had a plot watcher which was great but the pixel rates or the pixels on the uh, plot watchers, they're they're terrible. They're like three megapixels, so anything that comes in to range, um, unless it's like right in front of it, it's there's no detail to it. So I started looking for a camera, a game camera, <laughs> that did the plot watcher function, but with a higher megapixels on it. And, it, and Browning came out with this Black Ops. Last year, and I have yeah. I bought a 2016 model. It it can go up to 12 megapixels. Um, I have it set at 8 megapixels, but it does the plot watcher function, and it will do every five seconds from dawn till dusk. Well, that was la- that was in 2016 when I bought that, and I put it out there, and honestly, got very frustrated with that camera because the power it drains power. The most I could get out of it, even with an ex- extra battery pack on it, was like four days. And it's part of the, part of the reason is because it's such a higher megapix, it's taking such a higher quality picture, is right. draining power faster. And it's a smaller unit. Um, it The unit itself, if you don't get the extra battery pack, only takes six batteries, which will last if you're taking pictures. But if you're doing plot watcher function, that's that's nothing. Um, so I kind of got frustrated. That in the software, to play back, plot watcher function, pretty much sucks. Um, and I'm just going to say that right now. I can play it back with my Windows Media Player on my camera, which works, but it makes it a little bit harder if you get, you know, it plays it back as a video, which then you got to go through editing video to get pictures out of it. Um. Okay, I'm going off tangent. Anyways, so I kind of shelved this camera. I shelved this camera. What I neglected to see or really realize was um, it does take excellent pictures, and it has an excellent trigger range, 80 feet. And I actually have, when I put it on, when I put it out, I quit trying to do the plot watcher function on it. I just quit. And I just started using it as a regular game camera, and I put it out um, to just take pictures of one of my main bowls up there that I know were was over 80 feet from the camera, yep. and he triggered it.
1: And pull it's a up, fast pull up, trigger. Just,
0: yeah, yeah, pull up
1: just was, for the audience. Oh,
0: sorry. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, it's a fast
0: trigger. The other thing about the camera, it doesn't make noise that I can hear. Every other camera I have, whether it's my stealth cams or my Bushnell's, when I set it up, you know, you always set it up, and then you're you're still messing around, camouflaging the camera, and you'll hear it click because it's taking pictures of you. Nothing, it's the Browning is is silent to the human ear. I'm not saying animals can't hear it. I'm not saying our target subjects can't hear it, but my experience with this particular camera, it's impressive. You'd because I I always take flat black paint and I because I hate the camo the 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 companies all the companies uh, actually Browning's doing better um, but they they do this really light camo and it doesn't work in the northwest so I always take flat black paint and I paint over my camera and I paint any kind of lights that turn on when the camera's activated um, just so the animals don't see it. And normally I can hear the other cameras like my stealth cams and my uh I have a better model stealth cams not as bad but I can still hear it when it the shutter clicks. Um but this this camera there's no sound audible to my ear and I have pretty good hearing. Um when it goes off and actually I I placed it this weekend and the guy that the <laughs> the other researcher I was with He's like, are you sure it's it's working? I'm like, yes, it's working. He's like, I can't hear it. I'm like, that's the point. <laughs> um, long range, high megapix camera, and fast trigger, and it doesn't give off sound. Um, and I was actually, I'm sorry if I went off, I don't know. Um, I'm, I put that camera on the shelf basically because I got so frustrated with it because I wanted it to do the plot watcher function. I neglected to look at all the other great functions about it. It's small, um, and as far as taking pictures-wise, with lithium batteries, you're good for a couple months. It's still a power sucker, and that's something that I I think Browning has addressed, because it was one of the major complaints um, online when it came out. And so your mine's a two thousand sixteen model I think your two thousand seventeen model is probably gonna do better power wise because that was a huge complaint uh to the company about it as far as trigger range trigger speed, and just silence and it's it's a blacked out i r so it's it's like you don't in most cameras you will see the um i r lenses on them and that that's frustrating because they right yeah they shine they just stand out like a sore thumb. But this is everything's blacked out. It's a good stealth cam actually. And I sorry stealth camera. I still love stealth cam, but um, it's it's a cool camera. And I by working with other researchers this summer, I've come to realize that I had something sitting on my dresser. That I could be utilizing for a different purpose other than what I originally bought it for I'm done yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah the the
1: uh now the the eighty feet range is pretty profound i don't know if people know this, but you know uh, they these camera companies browning stealth. Um, Wild Game Innovations. All these different companies always claim that their camera. You know, they always put a tag on their sixty feet, sixty-five feet, seventy feet, eighty feet. You're, you're saying the Browning is legitimate with eighty feet? Uh,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Because uh, I, I mean, I, I. It's been on my dresser for a couple months, but you know, I still used it for a year just as a camera, and I'd place it, and I was, I had animals when you had a clear when I placed it in a clear range where there's no branches in front of it, I had animals setting that off that were at least eighty feet away.
1: Wow. I
0: have no doubt about their range. I think the range is actually spot on. And like you said, all these other manufacturers, I I mean uh, several of my other cameras, I all I have stealth cams and bush out They claim the seventy foot range, but I've yet to see it happen. Um right. the Browning I can say that do have an 80-foot range, and yeah. I, I think it does have a fast trigger. So,
1: Well, those, those are two key things when I'm looking at a camera is not just the trigger speed but the range because, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you buy a camera, it says one thing, and it does another, and I have found that you can't just take it uh, as the specs say. You have to actually go out and test it. You know, you have to go out and place the equipment and test it. You can't just place it out there and expect it to... Uh, react or act exactly like the specs in the book or the uh, instructions say. That's actually, uh, you're doing yourself a disservice. <laughs> you actually go out there and test it. Right. And if it does 80 feet, that's fantastic because that, that's a huge range. Uh, I don't know if people realize how big a range that is. That That's big. I mean, that's going to capture a lot more than 50 feet, 65 feet. 80 feet is huge. And if that lives up to what it says, that's that's a big range, Chris, and that's important. I mean, I, you got me kind of sold on that. I'm going to go out and purchase some myself, uh, just to even test it out. Right. And yeah, well, I
0: I will just say disclaimer. I've had issues with the software that they sell it with. I've had power issues with it. I've kind of worked the bugs out. Um, but it's it's not a perfect camera but like I said, mine's a 2016 model and I think Browning has addressed at least, I'm assuming they've addressed some of the complaints because all my complaints were complaints about it so the two, 2017 model might be better. You know I just want to say one thing I, like I said I know all this because of other researchers that I've worked with and they've they've helped me become a little more tech savvy, and uh, you know I I I'm not um, claiming any any extra knowledge that I haven't learned from other people on this. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, you mentioned so one of the things with trail cameras that comes across the table when it comes to Sasquatch why people. Uh, think that Sasquatch wood cameras besides the lights that are on the camera and the and all that um in the flash and all that is the smell. Now you mentioned you spray paint uh your 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 uh, game nope, cam. You, you,
0: uh, oh I, sorry, go ahead. I I hand, I hand paint them with model paint flat <laughs> flat. Okay. Flat. And it usually doesn't go out into the woods till it's been a while.
1: No, that, no, no. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, I think that's actually important because a lot of people. I know of other people that have spray painted them, and I think there's a. I mean, I know the smell of spray paint. Now, with human scent, you know, in my experience, and we talked about this uh, before the show. Uh, in my experience, especially up here in the Pacific Northwest, when I place a trail cram, you know, trail camera, sometimes I. I will de-scent them, but normally I don't because it rains up here so much. In my experience, it takes about two to three weeks for the human scent uh, to uh, dissipate off these cameras, and that's when I really started to get more game, more animals caught on trail camera. What's been your experience when you place a trail camera, and what do you do uh, when you place a trail camera?
0: Um, no, I, I absolutely agree with you, and it, it just occurred to me, you know, back in the 90s, before Washington State outlawed trapping, I I used to trap beaver and and uh, raccoon and coyote, try to catch coyote, anyways, but scent's a big thing when you're setting traps, and uh, an old-timer that was teaching me how to trap basically told me, when you first set your land traps, at least, you don't have to worry about water animals as much, but it's going to be several weeks before anything comes near it. And um, it's kind of it's the same thing with game cameras. What I've found in X one is uh, place a game camera in a new position where I haven't used it before. Um, and if it's at a level um, where the animals can reach it or smell it, um, it's kind of avoided for a couple weeks, a week to a couple weeks. But then after that, I start getting an influx of a lot of pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, I'll go in there. I do nothing like you do. I, do, I don't try to descent the camera. You know, I don't – because I'm in there anyways. When I go into X1, my smells there. there. Um, right. And part of the reason I go – well, part of the reason I do what I do in X1 is I've – always try to become a part of that environment. And I think I've kind of accomplished that a little bit. But after a camera's been placed in a new place, um, even after I go back to it to change out SD cards or batteries, what have you, there's uh, that same day on it of animals. Um, so it's like they've become comfortable with it, which goes to the fact that I don't know if it's always smell. It, it's also, just they know it's there finally. And it's not moved in a long time, and it's going to be there for a long time. So they're just like, okay, well, this is nothing. We'll just walk in front of it, if that makes any kind of sense to you. I, I almost I, – I think smell does have a part to play, but I think more of it is the animals notice the camera's – And then it's something new, and then when it's not new anymore, uh, then they get closer to it.
1: Right, right. No, that makes a lot of sense because you know what, whether it's uh, hunters or people out there uh, placing cameras, you know, in Sasquatch research, you know, uh, a lot of people are impatient. I've, I've found, and including myself, I'll be honest with you, impatient. You know, we like to place trail cameras out there, and then we get all and go, what's on there? And you pluck the trail camera. I think prematurely in a lot of uh, ways. You know, hunters, when they're placing a trail camera on an area, they're usually putting on a game trail or something like of that nature because they're they're looking for that buck. I mean, they're looking to see, uh, yep. you know, their their quarry. Where you know, and bigfooters, they're kind of the same way. You know, they're looking, to, you know, but they don't. They're not patient enough to leave it sit and settle and let. Uh, kind of nature take its course where it it looks like a part of the environment, you know. I mean, it's always going to stick out like a sore thumb, you know. It doesn't matter what you put out there, but a trail camera really sticks out, you know. Um, you know, most people, when they put a trail camera out there, you put it on a tree, and it's got the straps around there or, or some sort of uh, tie and whatnot, and it really sticks out yeah. there. I mean, it's come, jutting off there. It's plastic. It's got lights. It's got a smell to it. And so it really sticks out there. And, uh, I mean, even when you capture an animal uh, in a lot of uh, ways, I mean, how many times, Chris, have you put a trail camera out there and you caught a deer, an elk, a bear looking right at the trail camera?
0: I have a picture right now of a bear eyeball. The bear came in two days in a row and he just rubbed on it and he's looking right into the lens. He's like, and I almost think he's, thinking he's seeing another eyeball or something, because he's, like, right up there. But, yeah, and the squirrels. The squirrels are terrible. If you put a your camera on a tree that a squirrel has claimed as his territory, that squirrel will rip any camel you have around your camera off, and you'll get hundreds of pictures of squirrel butts.
1: <laughs> and I found... I found that birds, you know, I just recently was up in the Mount Hood area uh, with my, with, uh, my co host Gunnar Monson, and I had, I just placed, you know, I was placing a trail camera out in our area for a couple of days, and I had a bird fly right up and look at this camera, and, and you know, looking at it, looking at it, and it flies off. But it looked at it, and, you know, it was like, oh, what the heck is this? And it flew off. Um, animals do that, you know, Uh, all the time. Uh, It's not my first experience with a bird flying right up to my camera or, you know, a deer coming up or a bear um, coming up and recognizing this foreign object in the woods, you know. uh, But, um, you know, I do have cameras in in place that um, have been out there for a lengthy time, and it really is a needle in a haystack when it comes to getting, you know, I'm always excited when I get a cougar you know, on my, not deer, I get deer all the time, I get elk all the time, but when I get, you know, yeah. a predator, when you get one of uh, something
0: a apex yeah. predator, that's, that's, and that's, that's totally me, uh, you know, I've, I've gotten bear, and I've gotten bobcat, an X1, I've yet to get a darn cougar, <laughs> and I was so excited when I got the bobcat last year, he was chasing rabbits, and the only reason I got him is because i placed my camera about a foot off the ground um and anytime i get anything other than deer and elk i'm super excited and squirrel of course
1: well well, you brought up another good point though chris is that uh no thinking about this is not just hunters but you know those researching and putting cameras out there for sasquatch. How many people place their camera, you know, like, oh, I've got to put my camera eight feet off the ground to capture an eight-foot eight creature? You know, I really, I'm a big proponent of placing your camera in an awkward position, whether it's in, you know, two feet off the ground. Or, I'm not sure if you've done this, Chris, but have you um, have you placed a camera on a limb facing down, like on a tree facing down on an area that no. you find? Uh, no? but.
0: One one of uh, the researchers I do work with, Gerald Mills, he's utilized a pole and stuck cameras. He created his only he created his own mount for his cameras, and he uses uh, stealth cam and mole tree. And he had a pole we would take out, and he would literally put it up twenty plus feet up in the air off a branch. And he's, I mean, some of the greatest pictures I got. He got some pictures of. Uh, two barred owls playing in a crick that I was able to put sound to last year doing that. And so, yeah, no, I've, I've been in, in my area there's been cameras anywhere from 25 feet up in the air to freaking a foot off the ground.
1: Right. So. But I, 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 you know, what I really think, you know, when it comes to people that claim habituation, you know, something taking something from a bowl and, well, we don't want to place a camera there because something will see it. I've always thought, why not place it above, above them, you know, on an underlying branch facing right down on that stinking bowl? You know, if yep. you're claiming that something's coming in and, and taking uh, your gifting area whatever you want to call it, something you're giving, uh, actually pretty much nature in general, why not place a camera facing straight down if you're worried about something facing forward, you know, exposing itself? A camera you know uh place it right down, and I have done this, but it you know when you place a camera on uh underlying limb looking down you're you, you're uh, uh the camera's only going to capture so much you're really pinpointing right. the area of focus
0: yep no i yeah. I absolutely agree i've I've found with everything not ungulate has always occurred when i've got a view of the ground and that's why i've always gone low that's how i get my pictures of the coyotes that's how i get the picture of the bobcat and most my bear pictures at least on my cameras have been lower to the ground Mm -hmm. where they're not having to stand up and you know i i had a camera uh 2000 Well, yeah it was 2016 but it was early spring uh, sound, I had a camera, it was a Game Innovations camera, I had it stuffed literally at ground level under a burnout log, and it was pointed at three major game trails in X1, and I, Gerald had gone up there, and he had called me and said, hey, uh, I got your game camera, I'm like, what's going on, and he's like, we found it in the middle of the trail, um, so, I just picked it up and brought it home with me. And I picked it up from them and went through the as pictures were like just jumbled, but the cameras being moved around. And then there's one final picture with mama bear and two baby bears. You just see their ears. So, I'm assuming they found the camera and they were playing with it. Interestingly enough, the time stamp on it was less than a half an hour before. Gerald and his son had come into the area. So <laughs> my camera probably would have been eaten if they hadn't come in there because they
1: were playing yeah, they, with it. They, they spooked it, yeah. Spooked the bear. So,
0: but yeah, most of my, I didn't, you know, most of my cameras, as far as getting predators, have always been lower. Um, you know, I get deer and elk all the time. That's just a given when you play <laughs> from higher. So I if I was going to recommend to anybody, place place them at all levels. If you got multiple cameras, place them really low and place them up high. Um, you never you never know what you get, but right. that's just been my experience. So, and that well, sounds like
1: a box sounds like a box of chocolates, You never know what you're going to get. But you know, the 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 camera placement, I, I'm a big fan of placing them lower. You know, you can you could be, even if you place a camera.
0: Oh me too. I now I honestly lower. Shane, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but honestly yeah. now I do place lower. I'll I'll take a picture of a Bigfoot calf or foot. You know. I'll I'll take that. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, but you know I, that's that's the thing though, Chris, is not many people do that because uh, one, they don't think about it. Two, uh, most cameras, I mean, we're talk- when, you, when you're talking about researchers in general, those involved with Bigfoot research that are using cameras, I mean, it is it is a drop in a bucket those that actually place them lower. They always place them high, and they make them very yeah. noticeable. Even if they try to hide them, they're up high, I've found, over the years. I mean, up high, I'm very much the fan of placing them lower, even angling them up. Uh, to to get that calf or whatever, I mean, because that to me is exciting.
0: Well, okay. A couple years ago, I had two cameras stolen. Where did I place them? I placed them right at eye level. I'm five foot nine, so they're right about my eye level. Well, if you're placing your cameras eight feet up because you're looking to capture an eight foot sasquatch. You just placed it right where he can see it most.
1: <laughs> right. That's how I look at it. <laughs> well, and that brings up another good point, though, is a lot of the areas that, I mean, we talked about this before the show, a lot of the areas that I love, love, love to place a trail camera are um, in areas where people are in, and I know my trail camera is going to be stolen. Yep. Yeah, and, and that, uh, and, and that un- makes it very difficult, un- so, yeah.
0: It's unfortunate. I've had... Two cameras stolen. I had one camera where some teenagers B.A. ate it. Um, but, yeah, humans are wonderful creatures. Never mind. Sorry.
1: <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, people steal cameras, you know, when, when they're visible. And we always try to make the cameras less visible. Um, unfortunately, that minimalizes the places we can place cameras. You know, I mean, uh areas of sighting someone whatnot, because of hunters and hikers and just people in general. And so those cameras tend to, if they're, uh, if, if a human can see them, um, they're probably going to be gone.
0: <laughs> well, you know, the other thing we were talking about that you pointed out that you know, I, I'm doing better at now is camouflaging my cameras. Um, I, I think if you're going to get into this subject, Uh, you got to think outside the box and really think about how well you see the camera. And, you know, we kind of talked about using natural things earlier um, versus I've been using a uh, camel burlap, which is great. It'll hide the strap and this and that, but the animals find it. And you know, that for what, whatever the smell burlap is, the animals find it, and they rub all over it. They tear it up, and then a, then you got a human that comes along, and they see it. Um, if you can utilize the moss and stumps and logs like you were talking about, mm-hmm. that's what you need to do because you, you put it into a natural area, and this comes in with the scent thing that you were talking about. I, I really think the the burlap that I was using as camo. I think the animals smelled that it was out of place, and that's what it's. So if you can utilize the the natural material in the area right. to camouflage your camera, I, I think you're better off that way, and that'll that'll probably discourage the elk and the deer from chewing on your burlap camo. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, it does. But I I think people really get tied up in the fact that. Uh, everybody thinks there's all these trail cameras out there and and but I mean how i mean like we've talked about it 's really hard to get um bear and cougar on you know uh, apex predators on camera um and there's areas you know where i mean i 'm stoked when I get the bobcat uh but you know uh, we 're talking about probably right. you know, sasquatch being probably um that much harder to get on camera only you know for a lot of reasons, but one being there's probably a lot less of them and then really you're trying to pinpoint a location where they may be traveling. And uh, that makes it very difficult. I mean, in your opinion, Chris, why haven't more, uh, why, why don't we have better pictures of Sasquatch on camera on trail cameras?
0: Cause I, I, this is my thought. And it's I think it's quite a few other researchers thoughts. Um, they see it before the trigger can go off. I mean, most, like we talked about just a little bit ago most uh companies you know spout off how they have a 60 70 foot range and that's n- not necessarily correct and i'm i don't know what a sasquatch's eyesight is like but i have a feeling they they spot the camera before they trigger it and they just avoid it cuz they know it's out of place it doesn't it's not Supposed to be there, and it's uh, probably a human thing, and and they honestly they avoid us. So if they see something out of place, they're going to avoid it. And so, I'm sorry I keep saying and so. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: and you're fine. The trigger range. The, the trigger range is huge. I think the with Sasquatch. It's not only my personal hypothesis, but I know it's several other people's hypothesis that I really respect. They see it. If you've got a longer trigger range and if you can position your camera in such a way where they don't see it, you might get a picture. And I think – and I'm honestly saying there's people out there who have probably gotten pictures and it's just not being shared. That's my opinion, so –
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think I've I've seen some really compelling Troll Cam video, Troll Cam pictures out there that people don't share other than some of these symposiums and conferences because they just, it's a comfortable place to share them. I think there's actually a lot of really compelling uh, footage and pictures of Sasquatch that just aren't shared in the public. I've seen them, and there's no doubt that those are very compelling. It won't prove, the thing with Troll cameras is won't prove the existence of Sasquatch, but it may be another piece of the puzzle, especially being captured on, on a camera more than once, whether it's video or, or a picture. Um, but you know, given uh, someone that's researching an area, if they can capture something of that nature on a camera, um, it could add to their research, and that could be, uh, uh, you know, create, you know... Um, uh, quite quite a, a piece of the puzzle, uh, you know, that, well, hey, I'm, I'm actually placing my camera in the right area at the right time, and then they can go forth from there. Um, but that you know, right. really is that difficult.
0: See, well, the other thing is I think, you know, a, a, a picture is not going to prove anything, but maybe it will spark some interest in actual scientists. Maybe it will spark some interest into somebody to th- actually throw some money into this um because that's what it's going to take i i personally believe they exist i hate using the word believe every you know everyone's going to say well you believe well i've seen and heard enough things that there's they exist in my opinion and i just there's something to it yeah i i i just think that the resources and the right people might get involved if we have some decent pictures, it's not going to prove it, but maybe it'll get some people interested that can. If right. That makes I mean, sense. we're we're
1: looking at, we're looking at the the Patterson given film 50 years later, the anniversary is coming up here in October, 50 years. That's and that's a that, real animal, that, by the way, <laughs> it, it is. I, I have no doubt about it. That's not even a question in my mind, you know, uh, and they're still debating it to this day. Um, it would be really nice if somebody could bring something really uh, on par with that nowadays. I think I actually think it's going to happen. I think there's actually, you know, I've seen um, footage uh, that individuals are holding close to themselves that I, I'm like, please share this. This is really interesting and compelling, and they just they have no interest to do that. They don't want the ridicule. I think they've kind of followed what happened to Bob and Roger, yeah. and are like, no, no, thank you, but uh, I know you're in it for the right reasons, and I'll share it with you, and uh, I'm like, oh, well, that's a shame, but I get, I understand, I understand, and um, unfortunately, that's just, you know, that's just the, 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 the schematics of this whole thing, this whole phenomenon, but... Um, a, a really, if somebody actually captures something really compelling, I mean, none of this uh, circles and arrows, you know, oh, you know look here, clear, there's a face. You
0: know, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll take, you've seen my pictures of
1: the elk that I get in my
0: area. A clear picture. It's a clear picture. That's going to get somebody's attention. You can't say it's, you know, there's always going to be someone saying that you're hoaxing or whatever but the the game this goes back to what we're talking about the game camera technology right now and the quality of the pictures they take are ridiculous i i mean i think it would be pretty obvious if you were creating a hoax with the game camera a modern game camera today in my opinion and if you've got a clear picture of a large bipedal hair covered primate walking through the forest, that's going to maybe get some people to look at stuff. Um, right.
1: So, anyways. Well, and I will add to that the fact that uh, these cameras, these really high-tech cameras are are dropping down in price. Just like therm. Just like thermals. Uh, you yep. know, uh, night vision and everything. It's dropping down in price. It's getting to be in the hands of uh, Enthusiasts rather than the military and scientists. It's actually dropping down the price, and so people can now afford to purchase these high-end trail cameras and thermal units. Um, I think it's just around the corner, corner before we actually really get something really compelling. I mean, I think it's out there, but you know, now I think uh Cantino has got some really compelling thermal footage. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it's out there, um, but I think we could do better. I think uh, there's a lot of individuals that are getting this stuff in their hands and approaching. Uh, the phenomena this this research in the right way that it's going to happen and it's going to be, you know, it'll be argumentative, you know, some someone's going to always argue argue the fact, but it's going to be that m- more compelling when it's captured that uh, certain individuals in science will be like, well, there's something to this. And so that to me well, is exciting.
0: Yeah, and that's that, for me, the whole point is getting an actual scientist from a university besides Dr. Meldrum involved. The more the more people with PhDs that we get on board with this subject the better because honestly it. we don't have the time and money that someone gets a grant to go out in the woods and spend a year with actual tech to do. We don't. We're all just kind of doing the best we can and that's what that's the hope for me is get something to get somebody who has the funds and the time to really research it that's what needs to happen sorry no right right exactly I, Exactly. i hear a lot of stuff in the bigfoot community and everybody's trying there's a lot of good people out there really trying but what has to happen we have to get actual scientists involved and until that happens nothing anybody is doing is going to matter
1: mm. so. well as a good friend of mine in Mark Marcel has stated he said you know what I'm going to call you know kind of what we're doing outlaw science because uh, you know science in general really came from laymen people that just uh, observers um You know, people weren't born into science. They weren't born into knowing things. They had to observe and then hypothesize and prove. And that's kind of where we're at. And um, until science science gets aboard, that's where we're left with. But I I, I don't have any misnomers there. In fact, I'm actually – it makes me excited to think that I'm a part of something, uh, you know, whether it's proving Sasquatch exists or, or, you know, or being a part of that whole fun, you know, the whole thing. Uh, that to me is exciting because uh, science came, where did science come from? It came from people experimenting and observing, and that's kind of what we're doing now. Oh. And we're at the forefront of that. I really do believe we're at the forefront of that. Uh, Sasquatch exists, and then how do we go about doing that? Well, we're using technology and a lot of other things that uh, that wasn't available, to, to uh some of the pre precessors before us, you know, um you know, exactly. and it's exactly so um let's let's talk a little bit about audio though. You know, um okay. I've been a TASCAM guy. When I go out in the field I've been using Taz cams for years to record audio. I was just out this past weekend and recorded a lot of wooden ox or what I suppose are wooden ox and whatnot. I didn't see a Sasquatch hit a tree or throw a rock on it, but I got some really interesting audio this past weekend, and I use TASCAMs, but we were talking this evening, Chris, about uh, uh, some other uh, audio pieces that I find very interesting, and and can you elaborate a little bit on that?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I'm a TASCAM guy myself, for years, uh, because they're and I absolutely, anybody that's listening, if you're just starting out, TASCAM is the way to go. They're cheap and they take they they record well. They do really well. But like I mentioned earlier, I've spent the summer hanging out with a lot of researchers that have been doing this longer than me and uh really have a tech knowledge that I don't and I got to play with some of their recording equipment and I am totally sold on Right now, the Olympus LS7. Um, hands down, it's a little more... It's spindier, and this that's... I mean, actually, I've gone down the rabbit hole, because <laughs> it's, <laughs> you know... Yeah. For better sound quality, I, hands down, the Olympus LS7 is way better than a Tascam. Um, I just... It's one of those things. I got. I get in a. I get in a rut, like we talked about. I'm all about the Tascam, and they're great. They're great recorders. Okay. Um, cheaper, and there's different versions of the Tascam. I have the cheaper versions. You can get higher quality versions, but my experiences with the people that I've been hanging out with, this particular recorder, uh, the clarity is unbelievable, and it's smaller than a TASCAM. Um, the greatest thing about it is you can actually set it to record at specific times. With like, I use the TASCAM uh, DR05. Great recorder, <clears throat> but it records 24-7. You can't set it at time. With the Olympus, I can set it to record from a certain time to a certain time, which will conserve battery power. And let's just be honest, with the target subjects, I don't need 12 hours of all day when they're sleeping um, recorded. So with the Olympus, I I can set that to record at a certain time, let's say dusk till dawn. And... Then it'll shut off for the day, and I don't have to go through those files and such. So,
1: mm-hmm. anyways, yeah, no, I'm, I mean that's the, the 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 you got me kind of sold. I, I don't own an Olympus. I own plenty of Tascams, DR07s, DR22s, DR5s, and they do a fantastic job. But I'm always, always, just like with the troll cameras, I'm always looking at the newest. Uh, piece of technology, and sometimes not new, which is something I'm not familiar with. That others have been using that has a better uh, quality to it, a better clarity. And the Olympus sounds fantastic. You know, I mean, we're talking. You know, a lot of people people listening to the show are you know uh, not researchers. They're not in the field doing this stuff. They're l- looking at the show um, to maybe learn something. And and um, what I what I want people to understand is that there's a lot of uh, quality researchers out there you know upping the ante they're looking at technology how to better the game how to better to do what they're doing and that's exactly what we're doing here you know most when you uh look at science in general and we're talking about funds here funding most projects are funded by universities and whatever have you they're funded so money a lot of times is not an issue. In Sasquatch research, money is always an issue. A huge issue. A huge huge issue. issue. Yeah, and that's one of the – I mean, quite honestly, I think it's why we're not further ahead in this field, because it's out of, um, you know, uh, enthusiast's pockets. Uh, You know, this is a thing where people have day jobs and families. Uh, They're not um, scientists. They're not – this isn't their day job. This is – you know, it doesn't matter how much time you spend in the field. You're only – Going to be as good as how deep your pockets are, and 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 with most people the pockets are rather shallow. Unfortunately, when it comes right. to this research,
0: yeah, there was on that note, I Tascam. I will. I still have multiple Tascams. I've given away Tascams to people to help them get started. And as far as I'm concerned, people that are recording, the better. It's mm-hmm. just educating people and getting them to do what I do what we all do is vetting and all that their recordings but the more people that are recording you don't know who's going to get what and find a place where we should put up cameras so to speak um right but as far as like um the the whole recorder thing when I I was so in the rut of oh task cams just you know that's the way to go because I've had people tell me oh yeah your recordings are really clear and really great until I've listened to uh, another researcher's recordings with the Olympus this summer we were camped out and we re recorded some stuff and what my recorder my task cam picked up. All sounded distant, and all looked distant upon Sonic Visualizer. Um, what the other researcher recorded with the Olympus was extremely clear, and it didn't it 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 matched to what we actually heard in person. So that made me start second guessing the Tascam. Not that it's not a good recording unit. It's just that once you go down the rabbit hole, there are better out there, and I'm actually upgrading now. So
1: Right, right. But, you know, uh, as we were talking about, it, it really comes down to funding. If, if, if science really jumped on and people were like, oh, they're not going to do that, well, maybe that's true. Maybe science will never jump on to this unless there's a body brought forth. But, I mean, this is what um, every researcher, honest and true researcher, is dealing with is they're dealing with, uh, the amount of money they have to spend on the equipment now the equipment's coming down in price um and we're getting i think better at utilizing and and using this um cheaper equipment or equipment that we can afford but it's still it's still um far far from you know what uh funded uh, uh you know science utilizes i mean when 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 science goes down and go okay we're going to go uh um, count the amount of gorillas in Congo, and they'll spend three months, and it's fully funded with every piece of equipment you can imagine. Oh yeah, that's hundreds not that's not of the, hundreds
0: that's, of thousands yeah. of dollars.
1: funded. hundreds of thousands of dollars, and and there's no so there's no real surprise there when they come back with really good um, piece of evidence and 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 numbers and and. Everything's cataloged because not only do they have the funding, but they have the people in the field, and that's another thing right. is the people in the field because they, you know, a lot of these expeditions that they put on that are funded um, are, are, they have a, a huge amount of people in the field, and when you look at the research of Sasquatch, it's, you're talking about handful handful of people in certain areas where Sasquatch may not even be present and yet they only have, you know, a week or two, or if even that. And so, well, that's, you know, that's it's not what mind-boggling. I was about to
0: say. That's what I was about to say, Shane. It's like, I for me, I get to take maybe two, three weeks off in the summertime, and that's depending on what work's doing. I've been, generally, yeah, I just got the weekends. That's it. That's not you know that's not what needs to happen. You need someone out there for months on end to a year doing something. So
1: yeah, you nailed it. I mean that's that's the truth though is that you know, here I moved from Oregon to Washington to do this research and to do it better than I was doing before and to put myself in a better position to do this research. It's still not enough. It's still not enough. And I can realize that. And you know, I'm one person, um, and yet I'm involved with, uh, you know, the Olympic Project. It's still not uh, a big enough number. They're, the funding's not there. The numbers aren't there. And you're really a speck it's in a it's bucket. It's time. A when lot of it's at, time. Yeah in time, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not mind boggling. You know, but what we are doing and what others are doing is utilizing technology uh to better themselves um in the field. And fortunately it's you know uh technology uh with certain pieces of equipment is dropping in price and and then we can, you know, you know, time test this equipment in the field and better our results. Uh, And I think, you know, over long term, I mean, we're in the age of shock and awe. Everybody wants something here now. But real science and real perseverance, it's a slow, tedious, boring process. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, well, Chris, um, um, any final, you know, we're almost about done with the show here, but is there any uh, final thoughts you have? I mean, you've been working X1 for multiple years now, I mean, uh, what are your thoughts on working in an area for a period of time uh, such as yourself?
0: Um, for me, it's just I have to remind myself, I when I started, I'm committing myself to this area for the rest of my life. Um, this year, I've spent a lot of time in other areas with other researchers learning and um kinda neglected X one. I have so much freaking audio that I have not even reviewed yet. because um, I still put audio up there. Um uh, it's just you stick with it when you find it and you you gotta stay the course, basically. God, that sounds lame, sorry.
1: <laughs> it's just Um, Eh, It may may sound lame, but it's the truth, though. That's the truth, though. And, and, you know, I mean, like I said before, I really do feel um, we're on the pinnacle of big things here. I mean, I've heard that from a lot of people, you know, uh, get off social media and just get out in the woods. I mean, people are, um, those that I work with are really excited about what's going forward here, what's being discovered and what's being, um, how we're approaching the Sasquatch phenomena in in the field and the research behind that it. It's it's exciting. And I think there's big things to be uh, shared down the road here that, um, you know, it's no, we're not funded, no, but uh, we're determined to uh, really <laughs> – we're standing on the shoulders of giants when it comes to those that are our predecessors, you know, those that have been involved with the Sasquatch phenomena for years. We're – building upon that and bringing technology and the use of it to the forefront. And you know, we'll see what happens down the road here. I'm excited about it in general. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, it's, it's exciting times, Chris, and I'm glad to have you on the show to talk about some of this technology and the use of it. For those that are listening, I mean, listen to Chris. I mean, guy that's been working in an area for multiple years and and is very humble In his research, but yet, as he has said, you know, he's listened to the people that he's been working with and uh, developing his strategy and his research around that, you know, uh, around what uh, equipment they've been using and uh, what they like and dislike. So that, that, to me, is exciting, Chris.
0: Well, thank you, Shane. I mean, you're a big part of what I do, too. I mean, honestly, it's, it's not I, – I, I do what I do because of everybody else, so I Well, just learn. I
1: mean, yeah, no, but, uh, you know, truly, uh, I think we're at the pinnacle of some big things here. It's just a matter of perseverance and uh, yep. getting past, you know, um, uh, the naysayers. I mean, quite honestly, because – uh, we, we can have people approach us all the time, as do I, as do you, to say, uh, you know, what are you doing? You're wasting time. No, I don't think so. Uh, far from it. In fact, uh, I can't wait for the day that uh, they're proven wrong, quite honestly.
0: Oh, it it will happen. And then I can no, go it, bass fishing again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you already bass fish, But, yeah, I guess uh, if you could take uh, – you know your money, Why put it on bass fishing. fishing.
0: Tournaments again, so. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, Chris, no. I just want to, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know, finish it up. But I, I want to say I appreciate your you joining me here on Monsterfish Radio. I hope that the audience enjoys this show. Um, I always enjoy talking about the the Sasquatch subject and talking to those that are actually on the field doing this. at, You know, every given moment they have, spending the money they have, and really approaching the subject uh, scientifically. And uh, without any ego, uh, without the drama, and just uh, really enjoying what they're doing. And Chris, you're one of those guys, so thank you.
0: Well, thank you, Shane.
1: Well, um, uh, Chris, thank you for joining us here in Monsterarch Radio, man. Uh, we're going to have you back on here shortly, Chris, because I'm, I'm working with you. We're going to do a show, folks, on audio and known animal sounds, and then we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to basically do a show on known animal sounds, and then we're going to play some suspect sounds. Those sounds, uh, whether it's vocals or wood knocks, that we find of interest. And so Chris is going to join me on a show down the road here. It's a work in progress. It takes a little bit of time here to to put a show like that together, Um, a show I'm looking forward to. Uh, And so uh, hope you tune in for that show. And I know um, um, Chris and I are going to be uh, really – Uh, you know, knocking heads here trying to to, uh, put this together. uh, It'll be a fascinating show. And so I really appreciate those that are listening uh, to the show. And I thank you, Chris, for joining us. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, man. Well, have a great evening. Yeah, we'll talk to you later. And so that concludes this evening's show. Uh, I just want to thank you, you, those that are listening to the show. And I hope you took something away from the show. It's a show for... Not just researchers, but a show for those that are wondering what's going on with Bigfoot research in general. Um, what are the minds behind this? You know, what are we doing? And uh, there's a lot to be said about it. There really is. And this is a small little snippet into the minds of researchers and what we're thinking and whatnot. And there's many uh, of you that are researchers, maybe listening to the show that are that have great ideas and are doing big things. And I and I appreciate that. I appreciate everybody listening to the show. And for Gunnar Monson and Shane Corson, uh, we'll see you next week for another episode of Monsters Radio. Uh, You all have a great week. Thank you.